me this week? Yeah. Well, you people. <laughs> yeah. Anybody uh, walked in fear? Anybody had any lustful thoughts? Anybody hurt somebody else? Anybody uh, been bigoted or, uh, or evil in their thinking? Okay, I, I can keep going if you want me to, and, and we'll hit everybody, but that's not okay, but uh, you're a human being, and God knows that, and he's got a plan. He's got a plan for you. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Would you stand with me? And, oh, let me also remind you, during this coming... Well, you can stand while I'm talking. <laughs> let me also remind you during this coming week to, uh, to pray for the youth down in Mexico. we got um, 30 of them down there, and they'll be spending the week down there working in the, in the orphanage, and then they'll be driving back next weekend. So uh, keep them in your prayers. And uh, uh, Bruce is in war west virginia preparing for the trip that will be taken up there in the fall any of you'd like to go on that uh and you might also uh just throw up a prayer for the berry family as well this was uh not jesse's last sunday here but it will be his last sunday next week for a year and uh then he'll be back at least we're thinking he's going to be uh but let's read together from philippians chapter one very short passage in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power and the life that's in your word. Your word says that it is life to those who find it. May we find it this morning. May the, the Holy Spirit come and, and quicken us and make our hearts sensitive to truth and help us to embrace it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. He who began a good work in you, who is this he that began a good work? When I was growing up, I just assumed that it was, that it was God the Father. Uh, the creator of the universe, the one who spoke and said, light be, and it was. And the one who separated, the, told the seas and the waters to be separated, and they were. And dry land came forth, and the one who did all that. But it says over in Genesis that on the seventh day God rested from all of his work. And, on, uh, and, and the writer of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 4, quotes that verse, referencing the fact that, no, the Father has rested from all of his work. Now, as I've mentioned before, you know, who understands really the, the interlockings and workings of the Trinity? What happened up there? Oh, it looks like it's not plugged in. Yeah. So it's been going for the last few hours. Okay, if you'll get me going again. Yeah. See, this is, yeah, okay. All right. Where was I? Uh, the interlockings, and I was just about to explain the Trinity to you, but I don't have time now, so. <laughs> yeah, that took all my time. Uh, but 
somehow or another, the scripture wants us to basically go, hey, the father's work has been done. Well, maybe the son. And of course, the son died on the cross for us, and the son loves us. But, but when Jesus died on the cross, and he comes and lives in our heart, but when he died on the cross, he said, it is finished. And while I know, and you've probably heard the teaching, some of you probably have, and it's, it's a wonderful and true teaching that, that that phrase, it is finished, was what would be uh, uh, stamped on, a, on a, a listing of crimes against a criminal once his debt had been paid. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. It also meant it is finished. He's now seated at the right hand of the Father. His job now is, is interceding for us and waiting for God to make his enemies his footstool. In fact, he said, even on the night before he went to the cross, I have brought glory to you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. So if it's not the Father and it's not the Son, then that leaves the Holy Spirit, he who began a good work in you. And over the last couple of weeks, I think we've come to understand that he's the one, he's the one that went and got you. He, he's the one who sought you out. He's the one who brought you to Jesus. He's the one who revealed the beauty and glory of Jesus to you. He's the one who opened your eyes to the gospel. He's the one who began a good work, and he'll complete it. Well, what, what is the, the good work? Uh, it's not... It's, God, sometimes we're a little haphazard in the way we go about things. Some, at least I am. I don't know. Somebody else may not be, but... Sometimes I'm a little haphazard and I'm just kind of going, okay, maybe. Let's see what this will do. Let's uh, see where this will go. Put, put a little of this in the recipe. You know. but God's not like that. God, one of the things that you would never hear God say is, let's see what this will do. Because <laughs> he knows what it will do. And God has a specific purpose in mind. He's got a specific plan in mind. For you, for me, for, for, every, for every single one of us. And it is beyond our wildest imagination. And I'm not talking about, you know, how beautiful heaven is. No, the specific plan that he has, what he is doing in you, is, is virtually incomprehensible. He isn't trying to make us like Abraham. Abraham was a man of faith, the father of those who have faith. Abraham was great. In fact, there's not anybody else on the face of the earth that more people would point to and go, that's our ancestor, that's our father, than Abraham. He, he's the guy, he's the man. And even those, even those who uh, would not be of his bloodline, which would include most of us, the scripture says that he's the father of everyone who has faith. He's the father of the household of faith. He's the father of us all, Paul says. So he's a, a great man. But God's not trying to make us like Abraham because Abraham wasn't what you call perfect. You know, he, uh, he was a little slow to obey sometimes and he had a little trouble telling the truth sometimes because he was afraid sometimes. You know, he, uh, twice he found himself in situations where he was in a, in a strange land, a foreign land, and... Uh, his wife was just so hot that he lied about it and said she was his sister because he's afraid people would kill him to take his wife. Now, I know how he felt. Yeah. 
And uh, anyway, uh, but God's not trying to make us like him. God's not trying to make us like Moses. And wow, what a man, what, what, a, what a leader, probably the greatest leader that the, that the world has ever seen, ever known, and, and, a, and, a, and a man of humility, a humble man. Scripture says that he was the most humble man on the face of the entire earth. But God's not trying to make us like him because he wasn't exactly what you call perfect either. He, he was a murderer. Really no other way to put it. He murdered people for God. And there's still people doing that. Yeah. God wants them dead. So let's go get rid of them, then we can all just be happy. No, 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 no. That, that's, that's not God's plan. Uh, and then he was a fugitive from justice. Ran away and hid for, for 40 years. God's not trying to make us like that. And then when God came and gave him this great call to go and liberate all of these people from bondage, he was a whiner. Not me. Send, oh, send somebody else to do it. I don't want to do it. Not like Moses. He isn't making us to look like David. Now, there's a, there's, I mean, I love David. David, yeah, boy. This guy did it all. He worshiped God with all of his heart and soul and mind and strength, and he wrote all those psalms. He was a poet, he was a musician, he was a warrior. He was fearless. He was David, one of the great men, one of the great names in all of the earth. And yet, three other names kind of cut the ground out from under him. Bathsheba, Uriah, Absalom. He was an adulterer. He was a murderer. So, well, Absalom, that, that wasn't really his fault, was it? Yeah, he was just a really stinky dad. He really was. Do, do, do you know how he and uh, Absalom got crossways with each other? A few of you do. Uh, for those of you who don't, it's in 2 Samuel. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't, uh, David's oldest son, Amnon, raped Absalom's sister, who happened to also be David's daughter. And David didn't do anything about it. Nothing about just just let it slide. Absalom did something about it. And that was how they ended up getting crossways with each other. And then when Absalom was kind of banished for a while, and what he well, you can read some of it. Absalom was kind of banished for a while, and when he came back, David wouldn't even see him. David would let him come back because he can't come and see my face. What a welcome for the prodigal. Don't see me. He's not trying to make us like David, nor the, the New Testament heroes, Peter, <laughs> Peter, the keys to the kingdom, the rock of the, of, of the church kind of guy, the, probably the biggest coward in the New Testament. And I'm not just talking about him backing down to a little servant girl on the night that Jesus was betrayed. Peter didn't betray him, but he denied him. Talk about just when I needed you most backing down on him but but even later on he said well after he got filled with the holy ghost he was changed yeah he was changed but he was still peter paul says that in antioch when peter came the a revival had started and the and the gentiles were being saved and peter 
comes blowing into town because I mean he's the he's the big dude right and these Gentiles are being saved and this is just wonderful and he would he was loving on them and and eating with them and all that kind of stuff until some of James men came who didn't necessarily approve of that kind of thing they just want to come and see what was going on we'll check we'll find out about this Gentile stuff these people are really getting saved or not because we know and when that happened, Peter began to withdraw himself, and he wouldn't have anything to do with them anymore. And, and, and Paul had to confront him to his face, because you're a coward, man. You believe this way, but you don't actually act this way because you're scared of those guys. Well, yeah, he was. That was his besetting sin. God, God's not trying to make us like Peter for some reason, or, or even, even like Paul. I mean, yeah, Paul was a great guy, but he was the chief among sinners. He was a murderer. Not only that, he was kind of hard to get along with. He didn't always necessarily see what God saw in other people. He was the kind of guy, Paul, Paul was the kind of guy that, you know, you get a guy like Timothy on the team, and Timothy messes up. One time, Paul goes, uh-uh, you're, you're out, you're gone. And Timothy probably would have been out and gone, except God had this guy named Barnabas there who, who was able to go, no, you come with me, I'll take care of you. And then Paul learned his, you know, the error of his ways later on, but he's not trying to make us like Paul. And of course, you know who he's trying to make us like, but have you really stopped to think about it? He's going to make us, I keep saying trying, and, but that's because of all those others. Let's move into going to, he's going to make us just like Jesus Christ. Now, if you can think of that and go, yeah, okay, something's wrong. Because this is Jesus Christ we're talking about here. This is the second person of the Godhead that we're talking about here. We, we're too familiar if we aren't awed by that. And that's not just something that I'm thinking three times in Scripture he tells us that. I said it was a, a Romans 8 kind of day. Romans 8, 29, For thou, those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. We're going to come back to that in a minute, but let's look at these other two. Over in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, John says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. We shall see him as he is. We're going to be like him. And then when Paul was writing to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we who with unveiled faces, we were here a few weeks ago, all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit, who is He that began a good work in you. Those are God's words, and His purpose is very clear. We are, you are, to be just like the perfect one. I don't mean exalted in His position. I'm not talking about, I will be God. No, somebody else said that, and it, it didn't work out too great for him. He got cast out of heaven. I'm talking about the position. I'm talking about the person. I'm talking about the life, the way that he was. And to be like him is enough. 
Think about what being like him means. Jesus was the freest person who ever walked on the face of the earth. Absolutely walked without any fear whatsoever. And it wasn't because, oh yeah, he was God and so nothing bad was going to happen. All kinds of bad stuff happened to him. His earthly father died. We don't know when, but he clearly did. He was out of the picture by the time Jesus was grown. Brought up in a, in a, in a peasant family in an occupied country. Uh, had no place, homeless, had no place to lay his head. At least that's what he said. You know, I know some people teach otherwise, but that's what he said. I'm just going by his words. Yeah. Crucified on the cross. Even then, you know, it wasn't a matter of being afraid. Yet, I mean, because he had such complete and total trust in his father. <laughs> you know, there are things about being a grandparent that are good, and then there are other things about being a grandparent. Just depends on how long they stay with you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but one of the wonderful things about being a grandparent is when, they, is when they're little enough that you can pick them up and throw them up in the air and catch them. Anybody else done that? I mean, that is so cool. You just take a little person and you throw them up in the air and you catch them. <laughs> and you know what's even cooler than that? Being the little person. I mean, it's got to be. I, I, I actually, I really don't know. I'm, both of my grandfathers died before I was born. But, you know, I'm finding out vicariously now because I throw Maggie up in the air. And you know what she says? She goes, <laughs> again. Again. You know, you just keep doing it. What a wonderful feeling. What freedom there is to go. I got Total confidence in this person who's got a hold of me. Total confidence. And that's, that's, that's what Jesus walked in. And, and total, total confidence in, in who he was and unrestrained love for everyone around him. So, well, Jesus got mad at people sometimes. Yeah, Jesus did, but it was because he loved them. So his purpose is to make us just like Jesus, and it is obviously a process because none of us are there yet, and this work must be completed until the day of Christ Jesus. It is in process. Therefore, okay, do not be discouraged if you're not there yet. Those who claim, those who claim, listen to me now, to not have sin, those who claim to have become so holy and gotten so close are really very far away from God. Really are. Oh man, no, no, not possible. I mean, they look so much. They look so holy. They look like God. Really, you've seen God. You know what he looks like, huh? John was writing to believers in 1 John when he said, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we conf- now, why would he write 
to believers and say, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Shouldn't he put that in the past tense? When we confessed our sins, he was faithful. Uh Uh-uh, he's putting it in the present tense because maybe somebody might need it in the present tense right now. And in fact, I suspect that, that in, a, in a room this size with this many people in it, there's probably a whole, probably several scores of people who have definite things in their life that they, de- that they are going, you know what? He's tired of hearing about this. I, 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 I give up. I, I just, no. Mm-mm. No, he's not. You're tired. He's not tired. Every single time, he is faithful and just. And, and you know, and, and I've heard it taught, and I'm okay with it to a certain extent, that, you know, when you c- confess, you don't just say, I'm sorry, you need to turn around and change. Well, yeah, you do need to turn around and change. But you know what? Sometimes you don't. Have you ever confessed a sin and then done it again? Am I, am I, is anybody on, on board with me here? Anybody understand what I'm talking about? Sometimes you don't. And, 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 and it's easy, the, the enemy comes in against us. And sometimes the things we've been taught comes in against us and makes us go, well, I wasn't, I wasn't sincere, obviously, the last time. So I just don't know if I'm sincere enough, so I just won't confess. Confess! Confess, 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 confess. Just yeah, so we'll keep on confessing, you know. Well, I, I didn't change. Well, you'll get tired enough of confessing that you'll ultimately <laughs> confess. If it's wrong, it's wrong. That, that, bring it to him. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. And his word is not in us. The closer we are to God, it's not that the closer we are to God, the cleaner we get, necessarily. The closer we are to God, the more clearly we see our sin. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, Isaiah. I had, had another example in mind, but I can't go there. Isaiah, in, in chapter 6, when he saw the Lord... What a chapter. The call of the prophet. I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. The threshold of the temple shook from the angels flying back and forth and crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. What a thing to see. Buddy, you gotta, you gotta be pretty high up on the on the pole to see that one. You you'd think. And, and what, upon seeing it, you'd kind of want to go, yeah, boy, I have arrived. But no, that's not exactly what Isaiah said. In fact, what Isaiah said is, woe to me. When I got up this morning, I felt like I was doing pretty well. By the time I got to the temple, I was thinking, well, maybe I'm not doing perfect. I did mess up a little bit on the way here. But now that I've seen God, all I can say is, woe to me. I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes, my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of glory. So the closer you get to him, I mean, <laughs> the more you see the stuff. 
in, in your life. And so if you're, if you're dealing with somebody who, who doesn't see the stuff in their life, you know what? They're not close to him. They're not looking at him. They, they, have, they haven't seen him. This doesn't mean that we aren't concerned about sin. The Bible says too much about living pure and holy lives for it to not be important. It is important. Sin separates us from God. That's what happens. Now, before we come to Christ, it's an ultimate separation. It's a separation unto death. After we come to Christ, the death part has been taken care of because whoever believes on him will have everlasting life. But it's now time to walk the walk. It's now, time, now we get into process. And sin puts a wall there. Whenever, uh, boy, yeah. Um, Steve Taylor is a songwriter, singer, movie producer, all kinds of stuff. But a number of years ago, he wrote a song called Sin for a Season that uh, is a good song. And uh, the, second, the second verse uh, was, was about a guy who committed adultery. Uh, and it apparently was just a little one-night fling kind of thing, just nothing serious. But the, uh, the end of the verse says, if the healing happens as the time goes by, Tell me why I still can't look her in the eye. It's the same principle with God. When we allow sin to come into our lives, we don't want to see him. We, we don't want to be around him. We, we, we don't feel right coming into his presence. I finally found where I belong. I finally found where I belong in his presence. Come on, you know, if, if, if we're just kind of letting it flap in the wind here and do, do whatever and, and not worry about, uh, not worry about any, any sin issues in our lives, then it's not, you know, it's not like, boy, let's go to church and worship the Lord now, right? And especially if it gets heavy, especially if the heavy of the Lord shows up, then it's kind of like... Ooh, uh, that's a little too weird for me. But when we've, you know, when, when we've been trying to take care of things, when we, come to, when we keep it clean, a holy life is fashioned through repentance and forgiveness. I believe that's one of Wayne's lines in his songs, and it's, it's true, it's biblical. Uh, it, it's, it's a process, repentance and forgiveness, repentance and forgiveness. And when the repentance happens and the forgiveness comes, the cleansing happens, and then you're ready to, let's, let's go get drenched. Let's stand in his presence. Let's draw near to him. And so we do need to be concerned about sin, but what, what we need to understand is that we're, we're not just on our own. God has a plan for us. When I, 1 John 3, 2 said that we will be like him. 1 John 3, 3 says, All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. The hope that I'm going to be like him. The truth that I'm going to be like him is where the power comes from to change. To realize that I am not who the devil says that I am. I am not who they 
thought I was in high school. I am not who I was last week. I am in process becoming like Jesus Christ. That, that's taking place. Two, two things I want to close with, and, and actually I've already said them both, but let's, let's drive them home. One is we do not accomplish this alone. And so often religion, if you will, has been about tying up heavy loads and putting them on people's backs and going, now carry that, carry that weight, buddy. Tow that line. Well, that, that's, that's not what it is. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Most of you are familiar with it. For we know that in everything God is at work for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Right? And a lot of times people hold on to that verse, but they, what, they, what they think it means where they're going with it is really kind of a, a crass, sort of very carnal level which basically is everything's going to work out. Everything is going to work out. It might look bad, but it's going to work out. You know? uh, that Job thing is happening to me, but Job came through and smelling like a rose, and I'm going to come through smelling like a rose too. You know, the, uh, I, 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 my car got repossessed, but I'm going to get a new car. One of these days because God is at work. Okay, maybe. Maybe you'll get a new car. I hope you do. Praise God. You know, maybe next time you'll give your car away. Then you can get a new car. But that's not what this verse really means. No. Because it is for those who are called according to his purpose. And what is his purpose? That's not a rhetorical question. What is his purpose? His purpose is to conform us to the image of his son verse 29 says those god foreknew he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that's how that's tied together and so when god is at work in your life for good it doesn't mean that he's going to take all the stuff that you have lost and give it back to you or that Everything that looked like it was going to be bad is going to turn out good. Some of the stuff that gets taken away is going to stay away. It's like Michelangelo who said that when he carved a statue, what he would do was just simply carve away everything that didn't look like the statue. And so when God is at work in your life transforming you into the image of Jesus Christ, what he's doing is he's looking for things that don't look like Jesus Christ and he's taking them away. They're gone. That fear, that doesn't look like my son. Let's do something about it. You know, that greed, that doesn't look like my son. Let's do something about it. Let's take it away. The desire, the appetite. In everything, God is at work to make you look like Jesus. That's what he's trying, that is what, I, I don't want to say he's trying to do, he's going to do it. Because the other thing is, it will be accomplished. Jesus accomplished everything the Father sent him to do. The Father's word accomplished everything that it went forth to do. And you better believe the Holy Spirit will accomplish everything that he's been charged with doing. And once he's been given charge of your life, he's going to bring that you are not the, the, the special case. You're not, you're not the one that gets left out. 
You know, I mean, this train is going somewhere, and you're on the train. Now, you can ride first class or second class, or you can ride gripping the bottom of the cars, you know, with a rail bumping your, you know what, but you're going to get there because that's where God is, that's where he's taking us. Just to, there's an easy way and there's a hard way. The easy way is to surrender. Easy way is to say yes. Was that, did I, was that too crude? Uh, okay, I, 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 I kind of, that was all right. I mean, you don't have to, I just wanted to know because I, I'll probably get an email or two about this. But the point is that he's going to accomplish this. He will complete it, and you can fight against it, and if you do, it's going to hurt. Or you can surrender to it and go, I'm going to go there. And you know what? The devil would like to tell you, not you, buddy. Not you. Mm -mm. I know about you. <laughs> and if he knew about you, he wouldn't be saying those things up there. I know about you, too. I may not know the specifics, but I I. I know that you are a human being. So there. That's all I need to know to know how messed up you are. And the reason that I'm saying these things is not because I know, oh man, Joe's really a good guy in, in his heart. I mean, I, I know that he is, and one of these days it's going to come. No, I, I don't know that I know that, Joe. But I know... I know what God said he was going to do. I know that he said he will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. And, and, the, and the main thing that I want you to take out of here today is I want you to take out a different image of who you are and where you're going and what he's doing in you. Because the world will spend the rest of this week trying to make you forget it and beat it out of you. Embrace it. Hold on to it. He who began a good work in you. Complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. In everything, God is at work for the good of those who have been called according to his purpose, which is to transform them into the image of Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me? Would the uh, elders and their wives and staff, those who've been assigned to come and pray with people, if they would, if they would come forward? Uh, tough world out there. I think we've got it. I think we have any illusions about perfection set aside right now. So anybody can come, whatever you need. If you need prayer for something, if you need physical healing, you need financial uh, miracle, relationship miracle. You need a soft heart. If you need God's help in overcoming something that has continually been a stumbling block, Peter was a coward, and it was something that he dealt with till till the day of Christ Jesus. Won't be one by then. Yeah. If you have anything that you need prayer for, you come. These brothers and sisters will pray with you. It's, it's a beautiful day to be set free. It's a beautiful day to walk in freedom. And if you don't need to come, let's worship. Let's worship for a while and 
<clears throat> create an atmosphere where we can be in his presence. The spirit can work his power. repentance Psalm 51 get, get tired of making up your own prayers you might want to use that one the next time for repentance because that, that does the job pretty well pretty well I love you guys not nearly as much as God loves you but I love you raise your hand let me give you a blessing may the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who sent his son into the world so that we might be reconciled to him and who sent his Holy Spirit so that his son's image might be formed within us. May that work abound in you.
May there be great strides made in it in this week to come. And may you have the joy of drawing near to him through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.